So was everybody able to access the recording from last week? This is the, the new way that the Institute is wanting us to uh, have the, the recordings available. And so they're directly from that, that, that Zoom account. Um, so I sent out that, that link last week. Um, and let me know if, if you're having issues with it and, and things. Um, they didn't really want us uploading it to, to YouTube directly. They wanted us to go straight to the, the file there in Zoom. So anyway, if you have issues with it, let me know. But uh, that'll be the, the new way after class. I'll, I'll send out a, a link to it. Um, today we're <laughs> talking about imaginations of the heart. So um, let's dive into our, our Slido really quick because um, this is a, an interesting topic that isn't like super readily available without lots of different kind of translations and looking at the Hebrew and everything. So if you want to join the Slido here, I should have had this like up before class. <laughs> Sorry. Right, we'll go ahead and start and it's still there on the side if you're still joining. So what are some synonyms for imaginations of the heart? Um, as you've read this section, what does it look like? What are some other words that we could substitute in there? Is the, okay, Slido is working because mine's. Mine didn't work for a minute too. It just barely came up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, mine's being really slow. Yeah, maybe that's not the, the best thing to use today. <clears throat> what are these codes here? <laughs> 4402341. That's the code for the Slido. <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay. Gotcha. It's like, <laughs> we're already full on in Gematria. <laughs> code. Love it. Yes. Great definitions here. <clears throat> Just a couple more seconds. I finally learned to bring another device to this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It works okay in another browser, but it takes too long. <laughs> and sometimes I leave the meeting accidentally. Mm -hmm. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Hit the wrong button. <laughs> yes. All right. So, some synonyms for imaginations of the heart being pride, apostasy. Uh, I didn't say that. Apostasy, rationalizations, hopeless, stubborn, wandering aimlessly, godlike delusions, vanity, and self-deception. Some amazing uh, synonyms here. It'll be interesting as we look these up in the, the dictionary and the, the Hebrew a little bit later on. So what's the cure for imaginations? How do we take this, recognize it in ourselves, and then cure it? Like, what can we possibly do, whether it's our self or uh, whether we um, are helping others with the imaginations of the heart? It was interesting. I was watching a one of the Bible Project videos and on Deuteronomy, because that's what it's quoting here, Deuteronomy 29. And it led to one of the, the cures for the imaginations. I thought it was very interesting. I'll cover that a bit. In Deuteronomy? Uh-huh. Yeah. So the Bible Project video on Deuteronomy, the, the overview. Oh. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, we'll, we'll cover it here in a second. But it was interesting how they just overlaid the entire book of Deuteronomy, kind of lining out its different parts and, and things, and then um, showing what Moses was doing with the people as he's uh, telling them about the imaginations, these blessings and cursings that are going to come upon them. Are we going to talk about the cursings, like maybe give a little list specifically or? Uh -huh, yeah. 
yeah, we'll we'll take a look at part of that video and um, uh, dive into that for sure. This this one real this chapter really it was like a big coconut falling on my head. <laughs> I know I was kind of blinded I before. I was like, okay, imaginations of the heart. What does that even mean? Uh, I started reading it, didn't get much out of it, and then I read it again, and it was like, oh this is describing Cameron okay oh. <laughs> I yeah I think the reason that it's at the heart of the book is that it's kind of at the heart of everything oh yeah mm -hmm. the mind you know is in the word and you know the heart are what God uses to create and mm -hmm. so obviously that's how Satan wants to you know those adversarial thought attacks yeah fall into the category um yeah this was really a big one I woke up this morning and walked into the kitchen and I actually had an imagination of the heart come to me mm -hmm. and I and then I picked up this book to review it because I'd already read it twice and I thought well I want to review the chapter for class and I go bingo <laughs> that was me this morning in the kitchen <laughs> yeah. for me once again all these classes that we're doing right now they all link together so extremely well um they're so relevant my biggest fear is always being deceived and you know even the elect will be deceived and i think even our study of the topical guide of jesus christ i think that is one way that the prophet gave us to help us Mm -hmm. And then all these other little classes, just they're just all linked together as they always are. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it amazing. Just amazes me that uh, God is in control of all of the little details of our our curriculum, our study times, and stuff. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and just my, my recipe for leaving Babylon is just take more gospel study classes. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. It really is. Use your time there. <laughs> All right, so the cure for imaginations, we got uh, humility and love, a contrite heart. Uh, a contrite heart will really play in as we uh, see some of these other things. Uh, setting goals, persistence, mighty prayer, and great faith, looking to Christ. I love that. So our last one is how imaginative, in the negative context right here, or, or stubborn, are the current saints oh. of God? So not at all being like a, a one. Or we're on the brink of destruction being a number five. So how would you say that we are? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right off the bat. Well, according to Isaiah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm just going off the scriptures as well. <laughs> we're doomed. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's interesting how, how it all plays in the the righteous get more righteous, the wicked get more wicked and stuff. And so it's it's kind of a, a toss-up for me. I'm not sure where to put it in a four or five, but I mean, we are we are at the end of the world here. <laughs> yeah, it seems strange when you think about yeah. how often um, Satan's temptations come in shades of gray. Yeah. But as we move towards the end, it becomes increasingly binary. Uh, Very yeah. black and white. Yeah, I love that. But we want to stay in the gray. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Um, so this this video here, I'm just going to share like little snippets of it. So I'm kind of going to be bouncing around because uh, I don't want to spend all seven minutes on it. But can you hear this? To the covenant with their God. At the center of the book. Yeah. So um, with Deuteronomy, he... Uh, Moses is is kind of doing a, a revision of of everything that's happened so far. They've had the Exodus. They've spent a year at Mount Sinai, uh, learning the uh, the will and uh, word of God, and then they're they're coming upon like the separation of the old generation and the new generation. And so Deuteronomy is really explaining the Torah again to them, reiterating everything that happened at Sinai and helping them know the blessings and the cursings of the law. And so. Uh, just kind of taking it here with their God at the center of the book is a collection of laws, which are the terms of the covenant between God and Israel. Some of the laws are new, but many are repeated from the laws given earlier at Mount Sinai. And that's actually where this book gets its name from a Greek word, Deuteronomion, which means a second law. 
Now, surrounding these laws are two outer sections of Moses' speech. Each of these are broken up into two parts themselves. Let's just dive in and we'll see. So taking a look at the, the second part, because here on page 31 of Modern Idolatry, um, we're quoting Deuteronomy chapter 29. So knowing that Moses has a um, opening speech and a closing speech, uh, kind of bookending this new collection of laws. And so um, as we take a look at his final speech, this is where all of this discussion that Avraham is doing here in the book is, is coming from. She was a final challenge that Israel should listen to and love their God. He first issues a warning and an ultimatum. If Israel listens to and obeys their God, everything's going to go great. Lots of divine blessing. But if they don't listen and rebel, famine, plague, devastation, and ultimately exile from the land. And then Moses forces a decision. He says, today I set before you all life or death, blessing or curse, goodness or evil. So choose life by loving the Lord your God and listening to him. But then Moses says this. He says, I know that after I die, you're going to rebel and turn away from God and end up in exile, which is kind of a downer. But then again, he's been with these people for decades, and it becomes clear that his hopes are not very high. But all is not lost, Moses says. One day, when Israel is sitting in exile, at any point, Moses says they can turn back to their God, who will, in his words, circumcise your hearts so that you may love him with all your heart and soul and live. Now, this is a vivid metaphor that's saying something is fundamentally wrong with Israel's heart. It's stubborn and hard. And it's the same thing wrong with the heart of all of humanity. This is going all the way back to the rebellion in the garden. Humans seized autonomy from God. They wanted to define good and evil for themselves, and they ruined God's good world as a result. But one day, Moses says, God is going to do something to transform the hearts of his people so that they can truly listen to and love God from the heart and be led back to true life. And this is the promise that gets picked up by the later biblical prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the hope for a new heart. So Moses in. So kind of with that, it's it's all about the heart. Because when I was looking at this and, and looking at the imaginations of the heart kind of a thing, um, the Hebrew really isn't imagination so much. Uh, it, it more translates it as stubbornness. Um, but but nevertheless, the heart is always the crucial element of this, and it's taking our own hearts, our natural man, and, and our tendencies, and amplifying them in um, unhealthy ways and, and taking the, the opposite. And so um, it's very interesting that the cure for this is a circumcision of the heart. And, and that's what Moses is delineating out. Here's the blessings, here's the curses, and I know that you're going to choose exile. But at any time, if you will submit yourself and circumcise your heart, God will transplant it with a new one, uh, a fleshy one, whereupon his, his law can be written. And so anyway, it was just this, this really profound metaphor of the heart. And, and I didn't really interject that into this, the first read through, um, but uh, uh, like Lisa said, that really this book the the heart of it the kind of the the apex of all of these modern idolatry uh, chapters is focusing on the heart and saying look at your heart and and circumscribe all truth into one great whole so that he can then give you a new heart uh, whereupon his name can be written so anyway I, I just thought that was super interesting that all of this is is really focused around the heart the the cure for idolatry, the cure for imaginations, or, or the stubbornness is taking an inward look at the heart there. <clears throat> In a way, Cameron, all the other chapters go away mm -hmm. yeah. with this one, you know, being able to master and not be deceived, this one particular chapter. Yeah, it, it really does. Because when also, you. I think Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, because it comes down to like the, the two great commandments. When you love God, when you actually love him, heart, right, then it then it then everything else uh, falls in line. Yeah, so true. And also those uh, being in exile is probably how he circumcises their heart. 
it's through what they suffered that they like Jesus, what, what he suffered he, through his suffering, he learned obedience through God's children, that covenant children that he loves. It's through their suffering that they learn obedience and then their heart becomes circumcised. Yeah, I love that. So let's take a, a look at the, the Hebrew stuff that we're, we're reading here. So I'm on Bible Hub here. Uh, taking a look at uh, Deuteronomy 29:19, where um, if any were with us on Thursday with our Hebrew class, we talked about the law of first mention. And, and here is the law of first mention when it comes to the imaginations of the heart or the, the stubbornness here. And so um, Deuteronomy 29:19 is is where it's at. It's kind of the, the heart of the matter. <laughs> so taking a look at the different translations of this verse, it says, when such a person hears the words of this oath, so when, when he recognizes and hears, has a prophet delineate blessings and curses, and they invoke a blessing on themselves, thinking, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way, they will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. It's so interesting how many different versions of this verse there are. Uh, taking a look at the New Living Translation. Those who hear the warnings of this curse should not congratulate themselves, thinking, I'm safe, even though I am following the desires of my own stubborn heart. This would lead to utter ruin. The English standard, one who, when he hears the words of the sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe. Though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart, this will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. Uh, taking a look at King James, and it came to pass when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart to add drunkenness to thirst. I like that word drunkenness. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful description of what happens when a person's in a delusional state and not in integrity with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I really like the, the new King James as well here. And so it may not happen. When he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace, even though I follow the dictates of my heart, as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. Um, anyway, there, there's lots of different translations here. I mean, this is one of those like key scriptures that everybody has their own spin on it right because not everyone talks about drunkenness or thirst some of them talk about moist and dry some of them talk about a watered land uh so like that one has a lot of resonance with the covenants that that particular type of covenant that is more of a collective covenant Mm -hmm. where one person in the in the ranks of israel um affected the outcome of a military uh sort of uh i don't know conquest it was one person who did not keep covenant so that one almost resonates with consequences of one person's actions rippling out and affecting the collective as well exactly yeah i love that um so Try not to get dizzy. I'm going to scroll down to the Hebrew here. <laughs> um, as we take a look at this word for imaginations of the heart, um, this is Strong's 8307. We take a look at it and notice that it is the, uh, the first time that this uh, specific Hebrew word, shereruth, uh, is uh, mentioned in, in the Hebrew Bible. It's mentioned in Deuteronomy, it's mentioned in Psalm 81, and then it's basically adopted by Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah uses it extensively as he is um, preparing to, to curse the people or uh, see their destruction because of the stubbornness that uh, could have been avoided. And so it's interesting that, uh, that it's almost always referred to as stubbornness. The King James is the only one that really renders it as imagination of the heart. It's most likely stubbornness or lust. And so that led me as well to, to go to the, the Webster's Dictionary for stubborn, right? Because like, 
okay stubbornness of the heart what does it really mean what are we we taking a look at here stubborn it's an adjective and this word is doubtless formed on the root of stub or stiff um and denotes a fixed or or a firmness so something that is unreasonably obstinate it's inflexibly fixed in its opinion not to be moved or persuaded by reason um uh, persevering or persisting steady constant uh, stubborn attention uh, stiff and not flexible as a stubborn bow take a plant of stubborn oak hardy firm harsh refractory there there's many different kind of ways to to look at stubborn but this is the one that, that <coughs> with the the stubborn oak mm. uh, when we take a look at the the word stub it refers to kind of like the stub of a tree when it's when it's healthy when it's firmly stubborn it is rooted very well it's not going to be moved and so um i don't know do i have it up here yes um because oak is one of avraham's big like uh key words in isaiah right uh, if you do a a look just in the first chapter of isaiah we find the the oaks being mentioned here you will be ashamed of the oaks that you cherished etc um so if we use the concordance and, and look at oaks here is the way that isaiah is using the metaphor for the imaginations of the heart the stubbornness of the people he's using it as an oak and um because it is stubbed it is it is rooted so well and it will not be moved so anyway i'll, I'll leave you guys to to do your own uh, side studies of oaks um in in isaiah because it, it's a very rewarding uh, study taking a look at, at our own imaginations but my question to you is what is the difference between kind of the the alma principle right being steadfast and immovable versus the stubborn oaks that will eventually bring our downfall in the end how can we make sure that we are steadfast and immovable but in the right things and not in the imaginations of the heart uh, what can we we do to to recognize prevent and uh, make sure that we're stubborn in the right ways <laughs> one thing that stuck out to me in the come follow me study this week there was a talk from President Nelson, let me see what it was called, in 2017, and some of the, I don't know if this is being stubborn, but it's just a mindless thing we do. We always say, the atonement, the atonement, and that's kind of a disrespectful way to replace what our Savior did for us just by, just by the way we refer to it. Mm -hmm. What I got out of it as I was listening to that this morning I think it's just sometimes in our simple wording, the way we might pray or speak of such sacred things, you know, I, I caught that this morning from, oh my goodness, I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> that all the time as well. I, I think it's the world we live in wants to truncate everything yeah. and, and have nicknames and code words and, and things, right? But yeah, we can do a disservice, especially like like what you said on the atonement there, uh, the atonement of Jesus Christ, or uh, we sometimes refer to it as if it's like this yeah, um, just amorphous type mm -hmm. of um, ointment that we can apply and it gets rid of our sins kind of a thing versus no, like it's all about Jesus Christ, his life, his teachings and this suffering that he went through to to pay for all of our things. And, and it wasn't a, a one-time thing. We are we are constantly drawing upon that um, life of his in order to to turn our heart and, and things. Yeah, a, a great example. That, that talk is yeah. drawing the power of Jesus Christ into our lives from April 2017. Yeah. And then in that little paragraph, there's also another uh, study, teachings of presidents of the church, Gordon B. Hinckley, 332, 333 to 42. Those were both really good and applied directly to what we're, everything just like I say, it all ties together every day, every day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That uh, 
just reminds me of just uh, as far as like the atonement goes um it it really hit me just that that th this week as we're you know reading about virtue being taken out of christ you know with the woman that touched his hem and um and and i think yeah that that concept that Tracy was sharing and you were just really hit me like I do take that for granted oh the atonement it was just you know almost like it was easy for Christ you know but like but it really required I mean obviously we know it required everything from him right and I mean even that and and we look at the miracles he performed as just so like casual you know he just throws out these miracles and it's easy but yet it it took something it took himself you know like he was constantly just giving and sacrificing of himself and there's nothing easy about it right like I mean it's possible but like uh just that thought of he was willing to just give of himself and and then ultimately with the atonement and yeah, I just appreciate those thoughts because it kind of pulls that little bit that I was noticing this week. Um, so important to recognize what, I mean, that sacrifice and what that took. It's just such a beautiful thing. So yeah, I've, I've taken that for granted. And then if you so look, much. if you see those, um, that series, The Chosen in this season three, you know, I, I like to see movies they bring it to life for my brain and so but it's really cool how that scene with the woman is depicted and and all these little miracles that we're studying right now those are season three of the chosen right now yeah and they're yeah. I think that was good yeah they're good to watch and just like oh you get more of a heartfelt understanding of it mm-hmm it's so timely with our, our New Testament this year and, and seeing a lot of those different scenes. It, it's been amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I really um, was touched by uh, Tracy's comment, too, because it helped me to get that little jolt like, oh, we are living off of his blood. And we mustn't take that casually or be too blithe and thoughtless about that that is you know like thinking we're so blessed almost like that um scripture that we looked at in deuteronomy saying i will walk you know i shall have the atonement instead of peace i shall have to i well though i walk in the imagination of my heart to add drunkenness to thirst right yeah so yeah it kind of sobers you. It did. It struck me so hard. I just burst into exactly. tears this morning and now I'm doing it again. <laughs> yeah. But it's it was like, okay, I need to repent of the way I've been so flip about mm -hmm. how we speak of things. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Like <laughs> every day I'm like, oh yeah, I, I've left Babylon. I, you know, I'm doing good at stuff. And then there's always something new. It's like, no. But but look at this, <laughs> you, there's still need for repentance and and all of these different things to actually turn and and come back to him fully. It's quite amazing how, mm -hmm. how that process works. And I thought it was cool. President Nelson's the one who this morning helped me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that last part of this chapter here. It's in that last paragraph, um, kind of right in the middle where it says, Satan, the father of lies would have us believe, like these two kind of extremes here, would have us believe that we don't qualify for the promises that God holds out to us, or that we do qualify for his promises, though we don't keep God's commandments. These are kind of the, the two extremes that, that Satan is so masterful at using, right? Uh, Elder Bednar has really highlighted that, that one very well, where oh, I totally believe the gospel and it applies to everyone else, but I've kind of went too far or, or something that it's fine. It applies to everyone, but not to me. And Satan is so good at that, especially in these last days that, that we can see many different examples. And then the, the opposite. Yeah, 
eat, drink, and be merry. A few stripes will will be healed in, in the morning kind of a thing. Um, and putting those, those imaginations, that stubbornness, um, on hold, uh, never to, to delay our, our day of repentance. Uh, it, anyway, it's quite uh, powerful, uh, all of these different things that are uh, being said here. But Yes, what really hit me when I was reading through this is how careful we need to guard, like that scripture being watchful unto prayer, how careful we have to watch and guard our thoughts. Because our thoughts come from the heart and then our words and then our deeds they're all connected and if you go up to the paragraph above that one that you just mentioned his thoughts don't vary it's our thoughts that's where this is where the battle is this is where the battle is satan the light and the darkness it literally is like in the thought world because that's where you begin to go astray when you wander off that that path it's through the thoughts and you know the next chapter or the next paragraph up talking about um i loved this one i literally saw thoughts i know it applies to so much more but i pinned it down to thoughts they meaning thoughts make up but a passing parade of phantoms intruding upon our senses whose purpose is to confuse and to befuddle it's like wow yeah and you know you can be have these adversarial i'm speaking i'm not speaking for everybody i'm speaking for myself i find i am the most um vulnerable at night that seems to be the time where I don't have my defenses and I can be so subject to repetitive, um, just closed feedback loop, you know, sorts of things that are not, um, not anchored in him, in the Lord. So yeah, this, this whole chapter was just like a, like a, President Nelson's talk was for Tracy. And it was very relevant because I've been experiencing this and seeking the Lord to help me. So I was really grateful to have this, this to read it again for the third time this morning and finally have it go, I got it. Mm-hmm. Or at least as much light as I'm capable of getting right now. Yeah. So I love that. Um yeah, we seem to be just kind of working backward because I wanted the paragraph right above that. <laughs> and um, I, because nobody has great outcomes as a people when they start having these these vain imaginations, right? It talks about the biblical types of falling prey to the imagination of the heart include the people before the flood, people at the Tower of Babel, and the kingdom of Israel and Judah before their exile. Like this is kind of the the linchpin, right? Like once this really takes hold of a people they're done because wickedness just becomes rampant and the curses uh, fall upon them um, as, as lined out in, in that Deuteronomy. Um, Cameron, do you think that the, the, do you think that the curses come upon them immediately or there's a period of leniency? I think it all depends on who is interceding on their behalf. So if they have a, a righteous king, like a Hezekiah type, who is actively interceding on their behalf, then they have a, a delayed period um, of, uh, of the retribution that, that comes. Yet, um, if, if they don't have such a person, then, then it comes speedily, it seems like. But, you know, I'm just kind of speaking from my own opinion there. But let's take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 29, because he's lined out the laws, and, and here's where he's really driving home the, the curses of this. Um, yeah, let, let's just read the whole thing. Um, so these are the words of the covenant, which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab. So right there, we already have a Davidic covenant being lined out. 
the Lord is saying, you go make this covenant with the people on their behalf. Uh, beside the covenant, which he made with them in Horeb. And Moses called unto all Israel and said unto them, ye have seen all the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt unto Pharaoh and unto all his servants and unto all his land, the great temptations, which thine eyes have seen the signs and those great miracles. Yet the Lord hath not given you an heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxen old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. Ye have not eaten bread, neither have ye drunk wine or strong drink, that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came unto this place, Sihon the king of Heshbon and Og the king of Bashan came out against us unto battle, and we smote them. And we took their land and gave it for an inheritance unto the Reubenites and to the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh. Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them, that ye may prosper in all that ye do. He's giving them so many different examples. I'm doing, I'm fighting your battles. I'm giving you the promises. As long as you keep the imaginations of your heart out. Ye stand this day, all of you, before the Lord your God, your captains of your tribes, your elders, your officers, with all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and thy stranger that is in thy camp, from the hewer of thy wood unto the drawer of thy water, that thou shouldest enter into the covenant with the Lord thy God and into his oath, which is the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that he may become unto thee a God, as he said unto thee, and as he has sworn unto our fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with us this day before this, not before uh, the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. So this is this is a a covenant for not just the people that are present, but but all of those that are not present. We we fall under this. For ye know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the nations which ye passed by. And ye have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God, and go and serve the gods of these nations. Lest there should be any among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it came to pass, uh, it come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my own heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him. But then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him. And the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. Isn't that a pretty harsh Thing. I mean, it, it comes down to the imaginations of the heart. If you let the imaginations of the heart go wild, all of the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him. I mean, that's you know what I'm. You know what I'm thinking on that. I'm thinking of that poem or that scripture about not having any truth in him. I think that if you let your thought world you know, take you to those places that have just been described that you have no truth in you. Yeah. You've been taken over and possessed in a way by vain imaginations. And they've made a home. So, wow. It's yeah. amazing. And the Lord shall, shepherd, uh, shall, <laughs> shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law, so that the generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say, when they see these plagues of that land and the sickness which the Lord hath laid upon it, and that whole land therefore is brimstone and salt and burning, and that it is not sown, nor beareth, nor any grasses groweth therein, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. Even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done 
thus unto this land? What meaneth the heat of this great anger? Then men shall say, because they have forsaken the covenant which the Lord God, of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not, and whom he had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Wow, that was interesting. And the salt and the, uh, the barrenness, I was reading, I wish I remembered now, I was reading how the fertile crescent sections of it has, have been very subject to complete death of the soil because of elevated salt. And I can't remember what sections of the fertile crescent that is, but I have read about that, never thinking that it was a cursing. Yeah, it, it, it's quite amazing that... <laughs> we have all of the the answers before us we have the scripture we have the torah and it's lined out blessings and curses it's pretty simple when when we boil it down to its its basic parts yet we know in the last days that we are again going to need a new exodus because the imaginations of the heart will overtake the people at, at, at a whole and upon my house it shall begin we're we're on the brink <laughs> and it, it's yeah. to recognize i think it. of sorry cameron finish that thought it, yeah it was done you're good no it's just as you said that just and with the language and in, in what we read just the drunkards of ephraim the pride of ephraim really hits home right uh definitely a lot of self-reflection to be done <laughs> I'm surprised, too, how often I'll be listening to a podcast and they'll be quoting scriptures that we could reflect upon as a possible indictment, and they are continually fielded out to the Gentiles in general or to other people, to the Jews, but never. It's as if we are privileged. All is well in Zion. Yeah. And once you see that, you can't unsee it, you know, it, it, it's just so there. And it's like, you're saying, um, Lisa, it's yeah. Like these scriptures are everywhere indicting us. And it's, it's just so sad that we're just applying them to everybody else, mm -hmm. but ourselves. And it's the, it's just so interesting, especially given that the scriptures are showing that that's exactly what people of old did. It was not about them, right? They were the chosen ones. So it's so hard. Yeah, and it's hard for even the, the righteous or the elect who are searching for it that we are still subject we're, we're still mortal when we are susceptible to to some of those things if we give an inch it'll take a mile kind of a thing you know mm -hmm. like how many times have we heard that we're under condemnation for not taking the book of mormon lightly and yet <laughs> even in <laughs> a group of righteous saints we're we're condemnation still there we're we're taking it lightly we're not studying it to its fullest and, and things and oh but we've got covenants we can access the the power of god we go to the temple often we do these things but no, still the condemnation remains because we're we're, we're trotting it underfoot. It's a, a salt that's lost its savor kind of thing. It's so easy to, to be plagued with that. Right. And even with seeing, I am not ruling out my own capability mm -hmm. of entertaining a vain imagination of the heart. <laughs> not. Yeah. This morning in the kitchen, I was missing. When I felt less serious, I thought, oh, I'm so serious now. Maybe I just need to. And I thought, and then I read this and I go, oh, <laughs> that was a thought that was going to leave, you know, that was 
tickling me. Let's put it that way. So kind of going back to our our Sunday chat, I don't know, yeah, some of you weren't there. So a recap, we did a, a watch party and we watched a, a movie called Remember Sunday. It's about a man who had an aneurysm and he um, has his long-term memory, but his short-term memory resets every single day. So, I mean, kind of like 50 first dates, even though that's an awfully wicked show, but um, he puts a folder by his bed of all of the things that he needs to remember uh, of what happened the previous day and, and different things, right? Like he has a folder so that when he wakes up, he knows what's important and, and everything. So I would just kind of pose this, this question out to, to you all. If, if we have a memory loss, which we all do, <laughs> how are we going to remember this discussion and the, this, this concept of the stubbornness, the imaginations of the heart that so easily plague us who are, are genuinely trying to strive for, for a pure heart and, um, and to keep our covenants and and gain the blessings of of the law, what could you put in your wake up folder each day that will help you remind um, yourself of things to guard against? You are very susceptible to this. Make sure to guard for this. What can you do to always remember your covenant relationship and guard yourself against the imaginations of the heart? And then likewise, how can you be the example to others to help them remember the, the same covenant structure, the same blessings and cursings that um, are, are promised here? You know, because it, it's all well and good. I, I love our, our Saturday discussions, but given a week, I'll have forgotten most of this. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have another topic of study and all, all of this is amazing, but this is my issue of I'm constantly forgetting. I, there, there's too much to study to, to remember everything 100%. So what is one snippet, one valuable thing that I can put in my wake up folder that is like, remember the imaginations of the heart and, and to beware and, and how to do this. So that's just kind of an I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if all of this could just make a personal symbol, you know, like not even a word. Mm -hmm. Just a symbol that kind of encapsulates what that means for you personally, and maybe have it up in your mirror, you know, when you get up in the morning. I felt like when I read this, I thought maybe I should read this every day. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I do that. And then after a week of doing that, then I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to read two hours worth of material every day. <laughs> so I thought maybe, maybe read it, but then do the symbol too. So yeah. you go, oh yeah, this is important for me. This is my weakness. This is what I need to, you know, like what Abraham says, he says, when we don't make captive every thought in obedience to Christ, we're already starting to flicker out of focus, right? So, yeah, it's it's a um, it's a big job. Mm -hmm. You do a QR code. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> we could put in our mirrors, awaken, awaken, or hearken, hearken, or all those things that remember, remember because we are being told in our scriptures. But I think, I think for me, what I do is um, I've stopped listening to podcasts. I love podcasts, but I've decided they're kind of a distraction for what I'm supposed to really be doing. So I go more to conference talks now and um, just read actual scriptures. Mm -hmm. I, so I can get that personal revelation, but I do miss those podcasts. <laughs> I miss my Tammy. <laughs> I, like, I like that though. I like um, you're becoming more monastic, mm -hmm. feeding your um, your spiritual gifts because mm -hmm. there are things in the world, even good things, that can distract us. Yeah, well, they were an addiction kind of. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. They did. I quit. I quit listening to them. Yeah. Yeah, Anna. 
Okay, can you guys hear me? <laughs> I, I love all the thoughts that you guys have been sharing. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think this is really the heart of the matter. And I would just suggest, even before reading this chapter in the book, I, I just felt, had this prompting to go read the Old Prophets. And uh, one of the chapters I came to was Ezekiel 20 and Malachi too. And he uses really interesting terminology when he says, like, the Lord is going to curse their blessings. And I had never really, I mean, I've read the book before, but never identified what an interesting statement to make that. Yeah, for sure. When we make it all about ourselves in, in the form of like gathering uh, ourselves in that world. No, God is the one. Oh, and did we lose her? I think we lost her. <laughs> Darn it. Well, it was interesting because I was like hinging on every word she said because it was so drawn out. <laughs> so hopefully when she, she watches the recording, she can see that we're, <laughs> we were, we were trying to pay attention there. But, but yeah, sorry. It, it was kind of cutting out and, and drawing out your words and stuff, but. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I don't have the greatest signal right now, but uh I'll just say this is definitely one of the things I've been working on is that I can read scriptures and I can rely on myself to give my own interpretation, but really I need to remember that cursed is he who put his, his trust in the arm of flesh and that arm of flesh is not just external, but internal. Mm -hmm. It's me relying on my own knowledge and not accepting the fact that I may be misinterpreting it because I'm not putting credit where Christ or God is going to give you that spiritual knowledge and not somebody else. And that, you know, the great thing about studying Isaiah and learning from brother Gileadi is that he does teach you how to read the scriptures. But even then the Jews knew how to read the scriptures and make defining terms, but it's only the Lord who gives you prophecy and revelation of those scriptures. And that inscribes it in your heart and in your mind. So that's just one of the things I do for myself. Yeah, I love that. That is awesome, Anna. Yeah. Let's go with uh, mom and then Lisa. Okay. I, I was thinking, you know, we haven't touched too much on that bottom paragraph on 32 because we're just kind of deep in that with... Mm -hmm crazes and trends and fads and all this kind of stuff and I I think it was President Hinckley but I'm not positive that counseled us that we were being too casual in our dress going to church and to especially to the temple like wearing sandals and and things of this nature was that President Hinckley can anybody remember I don't know, but I remember what you're talking about, the casual discipleship. Uh, and I think um, a lot of these things kind of fall into that because we do see a lot of, you know, uh, trends and crazes with with like pink hair and blue hair and stuff in places that just isn't really appropriate. And not just that, but um, all kinds of, you know, we go with trends and and all that kind of stuff. And I, there's kind of become a problem with being too casual 
with wearing your garments too. You see that where they, you know, stay in their without their garments, you know, too long and and or adjusting them and stuff. And that's such as the garments are such a sacred thing and, and being too casual with that. Anyway, I think it we a lot of us kind of fall into this. We have to be very careful, you know, with the crazes, um, with the piercings and the even nails. You know, you see a lot of funny stuff on when I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, you're calling out. I'm worried about offending. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we get too caught up in all that. You know, it we just kind of not be so much of the world, you know, and mm -hmm. don't take these things so casual. Anyway, that's just what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see it all the time, but you know, like at the same time, we each of ourselves have something that's casual or some sort of addiction or something, you know, and it's just. It's so easy to to see it in other people and and then bring it back, I know, I know. recognizing it and stuff. It it's an amazing kind of twofer <laughs> mm. <laughs> to recognize it in others and also recognize it in yourself. And but yeah, it, it fits right along with this with the imaginations that constantly being on guard to to recognize them. Yeah, Lisa. Okay, and to follow up with what Cameron said, I think also the weaknesses that are particularly ours are curated for us because they are, are what are, is going to bring us to the Lord. So even though we're not, we're all dealing with our imaginations of the heart, in the end, um, they can work, we can love them because they are what break our heart and bring us to him now the other thing i was going to say was i had an opportunity i was in the temple yesterday to be taught there something not true came into my mind and i was sitting on a on a row and there were two women that were ahead of me that were talking a little too loudly for my comfort and so in my mind, I categorized them, which is not a true thing. And I elevated myself in that thought without really thinking. If someone would have said, you've just made yourself trying to make yourself better, I would have said, oh, but I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And then I got busy watching and learning because of the new material but I was chastened and so grateful for that chastening because towards the end of the very Christ-centered endowment, I looked at them and I realized they're a mother and a daughter because you could see it in the face. One was just a little older and the other one was younger, but I couldn't see them very well because they were, I was looking at their backs. And then the daughter put her head down on her mother's shoulder and kept it there for so long and it was so beautiful and I wept my heart was put back in the right place and I even thought when I even when I was in the celestial room I was still weeping over that beautiful display of love and I thought you know my mother and I didn't have a relationship where I could have put my head on her shoulder for comfort and I thought, they have more than I do. So I was able to abase myself because they had more. And I had had the thought that somehow because I was quieter, I was better. So I was very, very grateful for that teaching moment. That's so good. It was beautiful, Lisa. Thank you for sharing that. The, the humility in appreciating being chastened by the Lord. I think that is something to seek for. And I love your example of it. Thank you. Um, so really quick, a couple of comments and then we'll come to Christy here. Um, so Wendy said that uh, she started reading the Book of Mormon immediately upon rising with a prayer 
in her heart to hear his covenant therein and know what he wants me to do that day. Plugging into the source and hear him return to his words all day long. Uh, I, I totally resonate with that, especially after that movie. It really caught me in like, quit procrastinating that um, scripture or connection time with the Lord until later on in the day, you know, like sometimes you just hit the snooze button and then then you have to like get on it and go and, and forget all that stuff. But but that's a, a very important principle, connecting immediately with, with the source and then letting the day play out because of, of, of that connection. I think that's that's very important. Um, and, and, uh, like Tracy said here, uh, another, uh, temple example there that <laughs> some things can be so very distracting there. Um, uh, somebody that just playing with all of her rings, uh, kept proving her, her sm smooth pedicure and everything. Uh, it, it's so interesting to, to be in the world and we kind of escape the world and, and then, uh, get, get distracted in, in these other things as well. But yeah. And kind of piggybacking off of uh, Lisa's story there. And yeah, I spend a lot of time in, in the temple these days. <laughs> it, it's a very interesting uh, place to, to be and, and observe and, and things like that. But yeah, Christy. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed all of these comments. Um, one thing for me that really hit as I was... Uh, reading this chapter was that I think for me too, that the imaginations of the heart also include these false perceptions of ourselves and of others um, that we, these stories that we tell ourselves about who we are that aren't in alignment with who God thinks we really are. And so when we can slow down and ask God where we are out of alignment, right? Then he can fix those imaginary stories that we've made up and help us become, become who he intended us to be or who he, who we actually are, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love that. Uh, being willing to uh, receive correction and, and uh, actually seeking it, being like, Heavenly Father, okay, here's what I'm looking at, and please fix anything that I might be be getting wrong here. I think that's so crucial to, to be willing to, to receive that and uh, seek that correction of the Lord. Yeah, very important principle. Well, any other comments and, and things about this chapter or otherwise? I have a couple of things. Like, um, you know how I talked about, you know, you see all kinds of things. So people are on their own path and are studying and, and, and you just accept them for, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I, I we shouldn't yeah. be judgmental of other people, but I'm saying we should be careful that we don't fall into that. But yeah. you know, you see all things. But I also, right there on the middle of the first page, this really struck me. It says, "It it it says I shall have peace," and then in brackets it has salvation. I've never associated peace was salvation and i i went to bed thinking about that and that certainly is what it is if we are working towards salvation that is the ultimate peace you know anyway i i just love that mm -hmm. yeah that's very interesting i had never <laughs> i didn't even realize that there was a bracketed salvation there i just kind of read it on through yeah, I just circled it. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, uh, going on your, your first comment, like it it is quite amazing, right? Like we have to to judge righteous judgment, right? We we're in a world where we're seeing lots of different examples, but taking that and not letting it thwart or um poison our heart towards um any other given person, right? Like we can notice things, but still love them where they are at and knowing yeah. that they're doing the best that they can and that yeah. um, 
to, to just be there. Uh, if they need help in any way or whatever, but uh, not to, to condemn and judge unrighteous judgment and, and all that, it, that's a, a really tricky one for <laughs> the saints of God. We are probably some of the, the judgiest people that, that I know, <laughs> but um, just making sure to always have love. And so again, I think it comes full circle. It's all about the heart. And, and getting the heart in the right place so that it's constantly emitting the frequency of love and truth and um, being willing to, to accept um, that counsel of the Lord and um, really not getting, turning our heart into a, a stony, awful <laughs> thing that we, we usually do every week, right? And so I think the cure for the imaginations of the heart is, is very much uh, what Tim Mackey was, was referencing with, with Moses there, that it requires a circumcision. And that circumcision is to, to envelop it into the truth, into one great whole, which we have with circumscribe. And um, that we, we take these hearts that we have turned stony, that we've turned into utter uh, abomination, I, I would say. <laughs> and we take them, we break them upon the altar each week. We receive the new sacrament. We get a new fleshy heart, which we undoubtedly will probably wreck again, <laughs> given our, our mortal nature. And we keep doing that every week. We keep having our full heart broken on the altar in order to receive a new one. And so, uh, yeah, like we've said, this is kind of at the, the heart of all idolatry, and and it all comes down to, to the weekly ordinance that we have restored in these latter days in order to actually remedy the broken heart, or, or to, to remedy a stony heart or the, um, the heart that we have desecrated. And anyway, I, I think that's just so powerful that, that we have a singular ordinance that is this fix for the imaginations of the heart and we need it weekly right i mean it's not like something that we just do once in our, our lifetime maybe twice this is this is a weekly thing because it's so important it's we're so prone to the imaginations of the heart the stubbornness that we need a weekly ordinance to fix it yeah that's what the sacraments all about coming with the contrite heart and anyway I learned so much this week in this little chapter. <laughs> a lot of different things to fix. But yeah. Any other comments, questions, or anything? Um, so yeah, for next week, we're going to tackle nature cults and all that that entails. I think it's a very multifaceted beast of idolatry. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah. If not, we'll, we'll say adieu for, for today and uh, tackle it and come back next week for another fun discussion. I love it. I, I look forward to our Saturday so much. <laughs> A question about the near-dream, near-death experiences. Um, I can't get into that Google. Okay, yeah, for sure. It so, asked me to request access from you, so I sent that. Okay, yeah. Let me 